Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Audrey Simons and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon, here with my co-host... Audra Simons. Audra, hi. hi. Welcome stateside. Hi. You're in the US. Thank you. You welcomed me with the steam bath outside. <laughs> <laughs> Very much appreciating that. Anytime. It's great. It's a great for the face. It's, it's really good for <laughs> the complexion. Um, so can I tell you, I am so excited, like beyond excited to welcome back to the podcast, Sadaka Ramakrishna. He's a CEO and president at SolarWinds, and I can't wait to catch up with you, Sadaka. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Rachel. Great to be back here. Yeah, I think it's been about two years since we caught up with you last year. I think you were maybe six months on the job at that point. It was a very busy time for you. <laughs> it was. It was a busy, exciting, nerve-wracking uh, and making progress. Uh, wonderful. And and I knew that was going to happen after our conversation. You were you were doing all the best practices. I, I think you've, you've used gold plated uh, for some of your language recently. And I, I think it's absolutely that was that was the path you were taking. And I was so excited folks got to hear that because it's it's a, a great lesson for others to to learn by, um, you know, kind of to that point. I mean, it's kind of since the discovery of Sunburst, what are some of the most impactful actions that SolarWinds has taken, you know, to make the company, well, and the industry at large more secure? There's so many learning lessons here. Uh, Rachel, it has been, as I said, a very exciting, uh, but also a journey that has been laden with progress. Uh, we spoke about our Secure by Design initiative uh, when we first met two years ago. Uh, Secure by Design is a term that I have used for the better part of 10 years. Uh, and I always looked at security similar to quality. So when we are building products to and delivering to customers, we want to make sure that they are great quality and the customers get a great experience. And so in my um, mind, security was always like in line with quality, deliver a great security experience. And the best way you do that is at design time, not after the fact. Yes, things like as an example, penetration testing are important to perform after the product is built, but they don't replace the focus and the goals that you have at design time. So that is the reason for secure by design. And I'm glad to say two years later, more and more people, including CISA, for instance, are using the phrase secure by design. So I think that's a validation to our approach. Uh, I wouldn't call it only our approach, because I truly believe Secure by Design needs to be an industry-wide approach. And yes, while I may have instigated it, it's important for everyone to uh, adapt it, adopt it, and then like proliferate it. Uh, and so last two years has been a journey on Secure by Design. And I call it a journey, Rachel, because I don't really believe we'll ever be done. Uh, I don't think um, we our job is done. Um, the threat actors are becoming smarter. AI, which we can talk about in more detail, is helping them as it is helping us. And threat surface and threat vectors are growing every day. Absolutely. So I know that you're saying that this is a journey and you're saying that you've seen a lot of improvement along the way, but what are you still seeing that's lacking out there 
in terms of the industry adoption, the approaches, and even even with what you're doing yourselves as SolarWinds? Audra, one of the main things that we started doing when Sunburst um, inflicted us, let's say, was the notion of how can we come out and be transparent about what happened and what we're doing about it. Have we made progress as an industry in the last two years? I believe so. Uh, Related to transparency and efforts, I also introduced this phrase of community vigil, which is no one company can protect itself, and we all need to work together as a community and create a vigil. Uh, What happens, let's say, in our neighborhood, if something happens, we as neighbors will form a vigil around it, right? And so the same thing needs to happen at a larger scale. I'll say there is an appreciation of those concepts, but I don't believe either the practices from us as software creators, vendors, and so on, or for that matter, the public entities, regulators, government, and so on, have a deep enough appreciation of it. For the single fact that I keep referring to this term of asymmetry in threats, whereas as a company, we have to be right and defending ourselves every single time, but a threat actor has to be right only once to break once. through. Yeah. So there's significant and I don't believe any one company, no matter how good you are, how smart you are, I mean, you've probably seen the most recent news around Microsoft uh, and Office 365. I think it happened just last week. They're an incredible company, tremendous number of resources, lots of real research, but they're not immune. And I I think the humility to accept that nobody is immune is important. And what has not happened yet, and I say yet because I continue to remain very optimistic that this will happen, is the level of public and private partnerships need to take us to the next level of defense. And we are far from it. There's just no silver bullet, right? I mean, <laughs> there's yeah. there's always, especially with the technology evolving so quickly, and, and particularly AI. Um, and, and then I think there's the, you know, it's the quantum computing ahead as well, right? I mean, there's always going to be something that's creating these cracks in the system. And, and how could you, you're never going to be able to cover all of them uh, at any one point in time, or even know all the ones that exist. It's It's crazy. You're absolutely right, Rachel. Uh, But I go back to basics and first principles. I mean, we all are in business. We all know running a good business is about doing basic things right consistently, right? Right. And and the same thing applies to security and security posture as well. What are your design principles? What are the value systems that you want to proliferate? And going back to the point you just brought up about the private and public partnerships, If you are going to victimize victims, then the ability for them to be transparent, to come out and talk about this. And we have seen this in our social circles as well, which is if you make it a stigma, people are not going to step forward. And every time people don't step forward, we lose and the threat actors win. And that's the reason why I believe two, two and a half years ago, what we did was uh, a little bit unconventional. Some might have argued it was a bit foolish in the level of transparency we came out with, but I firmly believe uh, we did the right things the right way, hopefully, and um, we are being recognized for it, even though I will accept that there's a lot of work left to be done. Right. 
So I actually think your approach was brave. And I'm not sure whether people like to be told that, but sometimes standing up and taking ownership for things that happen and how you're going to fix them, right. a lot of people won't. And they always want to blame someone else. Yeah. And and you're just like, this has happened. This is what we're going to do about it. I thought it was excellent way of approaching yeah, it. Our, but Our teams did a fantastic job and they continue to do a fantastic job in terms of now the the bastion so to speak has evolved to secure software design i'm sure you're familiar with all the new things that are happening there and we are leading the way contributing at the same time learning in terms of what we can do better excellent so you talked about a little bit about the need for public and private partnerships can you talk a bit more how SolarWinds has partnered with the government as, me- as well as kind of members of the industry to bolster our nation's cybersecurity? Absolutely. Uh, we are close partners with CISA. Uh, mm-hmm. The work that uh, Jen and uh, Eric and team are doing, I'm a big um, fan of what they're doing. I'm a big believer in what they're doing. And so we have done everything we can to share ev- from a Secure by Design standpoint, as I'm sure you know, Jen also has been referring to this as Secure by Design and by default, uh, mm-hmm. they're extending the, the concepts. So that is a huge positive for us. Uh, they themselves, as you know, are going through their own ways of how do we get um, various government agencies to collaborate and have information sharing in real time. That is not something that we have been honestly able to help but what we are doing is working very closely with Jen and team, as well as uh, the government's focus on secure software design, the principles around that. Uh, we contributed quite a bit to the creation of those efforts. So as the items like self-attestation come out, uh, which might be a big effort for some of the companies to support, we feel we are very ready to say yes, 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 because on one hand, we started working on some of these things way back when in the spirit of transparency and urgency and collaboration. But on the other hand, we also applied uh, or contributed because I truly believe some of these things should not be proprietary information for any one company, nor should they be used for competitive benefits. They should be used for the betterment of the industry is the way I like to think about it. And uh, that should hopefully serve us all well in the in the long run as you also know i'm sorry as you also know the government is also made of many different regulators and agencies so there are things that we still have work in progress um, with other regulators and agencies i guess that was kind of my next question sadakar it's you know how do we (laughs) with so many regulatory bodies and other agencies. I mean, it's trying to get everyone to align. It, it almost sounds like Sisyphus. I mean, it's, is it even possible? I, I want to believe it is possible. Uh, Rachel, I'll repeat a, uh, <laughs> call it a pledge I made to CISA because CISA, like every other company and every other entity, is also resource-strapped. So if right. you put the huge burden on them to be the cyber defense for the nation, we need to make sure that they are properly resourced as well. Yes. Uh, one of the thoughts I proposed was, what if, uh, as SolarWinds, we'll give CISA a full-time equivalent from us contributing to CISA, and mm-hmm. each one of us, let's say two, three, four thousand companies can do the same. Right. But the but the effort of that community should be security research, 
the effort of that community to be understanding the threats, being proactive, and guiding all of us in a proactive fashion to have collective defenses that are better than any other threat actors' activities. Let's say we are able to do that. I truly yeah. believe as an industry, we'll become more efficient, more secure, more productive, more cost effective, and as a result, more competitive. Mm -hmm. I, I realize that there are many bridges to cross to get to that state. But if we can together have conviction and commitment to do that with CISA, then I think rest of the industry and rest of the regulators will um, benefit and come along as well. So how do you think you can make that collaboration happen, that sort of so, information sharing? I love it. I love this idea, though. I mean, I really love this. I Absolutely. Love I mean, this again goes back to some of the basics. One is, if I continue to believe as a software company or a vendor that why should I share this information with anybody else, then I've already lost the game at that point in time. And I've actually increased, ironically, um, my threat um, surface, so to speak, because I'm not learning from the world. But if there is a way for CISA and the government to facilitate the contribution, because there might be other, call it legal issues, procedural issues, etc. But we need to commit ourselves to breaking those um, out of our way, because the time we are spending on process, on legalities, and so on, is giving time to somebody else to attack us harder and faster. So the simple framework I would say is, CISA should be given the authority to collect these pool of resources, and we should all be asked to, uh, let's say companies above a certain size, because the largest of the large companies already have very committed teams that are doing their work, but even they are not immune uh, to security threats like we just discussed. Right. So what about based on the size of the company? And you can exclude, let's say, companies that are resource-strapped or below a certain size, but yet commit in the spirit of community vigil that whatever information is distilled and gathered by CISA in terms of guidance and guidelines are contributed to all of us or distributed mm -hmm. to all of us. That will get us all to a level of maturity, so to speak, um, and ability to have collective defenses that are much better than any one of us is able to do. And then we can use the marginal dollars on top of that for more productive uses, like how do I support my customers better? How do I innovate faster? How can I be more cost efficient? Yet we are losing a lot of money by doing the same thing over and over again in every company in the name of protection versus in the name of creation. And, and that's the bridge that we need to cross. Yeah, it's, it's almost like um, uh, the U.S. version of a cyber army, if you will. Yeah, exactly. You know, like yes. Public-private yeah. cyber army. I love that. I love that. In All fact, boats rise, uh, too. Yeah. In fact, in fact uh, we were in Washington, D.C. a couple of weeks ago. We did an uh, event. We had bipartisan support with um, Congressman Darrell Iser as well as uh, Congressman Raja Krishnamurti joining us. In fact, I think it was Raja Krishnamurti who used the word cyber god, uh, like a, similar yes. to Anashi. When I described right. this note, uh, he was talking about the notion of a cyber god. I, I believe 
we need to be able to do things like that to be different going forward rather than try to do more of the same. So do you think there is any I don't know, concern about being part of this around the whole thing of when these kind of attacks take place or people believe they're happening in reporting them? Is there like have there been any discussions on it's a bit like being a whistleblower and having a protection of being a whistleblower in in the UK? I don't know if it's the same in the US, but you you have a level of protection. Is is there any discussion around? So if we're going to share this kind of information to make as a whole the industry stronger and safer and so on, of not then kind of going after the whistleblowers who are saying, we believe this is happening or this has happened? Yeah, Audra, since you mentioned UK, as part of the Sunburst investigation and the subsequent efforts, I got to know the UK Cybersecurity Center's director, Paul Chichester, um, as chick as he likes to be called, um, quite well. I felt that their practices in the UK are more mature and more consistent with the notion of community vigil and not victimizing the victim. So there's a few lessons that we can learn from one of our five eyes partners, so to speak, um, in the context of uh, what's happening in the UK. But you're absolutely right. Taking some of their best practices and seeing how that might be applicable here or more, more globally would be very appropriate. Excellent. Very good. Now I have a complete tangent that I do when I ask. Because... Um, AI, I mean, everyone's talking about AI at the moment and everyone's trying to work out how do we use it? How do we protect yeah. against it? And and that sort of thing. Can I ask you, what are your plans around AI, kind of the stuff you want to embrace and the things maybe you want to keep out? Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. A couple of years ago, um, in fact, almost the time we I joined Solovins, we started a uh, AI ops team within Solovins. The idea was more around how do we get more into our customers' productivity cycle. So, Audra, just for context, the purpose of Solovins, as I defined it, is to enrich the lives of the people we serve. That's that's how we define Solovins. So it's got no de- no word like software in it or cloud in it. None of that stuff. Our purpose is to enrich the lives of the people we serve. And so when I think about customers in that context, my belief system, it's been there for a long time. And every time I get the opportunity to do something about it uh, and get paid for it, uh, we get excited to do it. And so enriching a customer's life in our context is how do we improve their productivity and lowering their cost. But forget the cost piece of it, improving their productivity. Because what's one thing all of us say we need more of or don't have enough of? It's time. Time. How do we help them resolve issues faster, identify issues faster, remediate them uh, quicker? Was kind of the idea based on our foundations of monitoring, observability, service management, and so on. So in that context, we build the AI ops with the express purpose of how do I help you eliminate alert fatigue was the very first thing that we did with AI ops. Because alert fatigue has become a phrase in our industry. We're just getting bombarded with alerts. So then we evolved it to how do I start pinpointing root cause for the situation that you may be involved in? Again, helping you with fault isolation. And increasingly, 
we are doing it with remediation. So that's the focus of AI ops and AI, broadly speaking, within our company. And we've been at it for the better part of two and a half years now, two, two and a half years now. Mm-hmm. I do also on the other side, um, I'm part of a group that promotes ethical AI. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that you can make a or create and cause a lot of damage in a negative way with AI as well. And so having some ethical principles, going back to just like how we addressed Sunburst with a set of basic principles, supporting a basic principle um, set for um, AI and ethical AI as well. Rachel, maybe that's a topic we can come back and talk to the audience about in terms of our podcast. I love that. that, What does that mean? What are the principles around it? And so on to do full justice to it. That would be amazing because it's such a divisive issue, seemingly too. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. absolutely, but because everyone's trying everything out, it's it's a bit yeah. like when the internet first arrived. Well, every way that people, the academics, thought it would be used was not what it ended up used for. Right. So, so every new thing that's come out, it's like, well, how can I how can I use this to do different things? Yeah. And I mean, it's 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 a very interesting tool to to be looking at how we apply it but i think i think there's some concerns in my mind is around ai is that it's only as good as the what you train it for uh, and, and 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 what tech you know what methods you're using and all of that sort of thing because i'm always like well if you feed it a load of garbage it'll give you a load of garbage back which is finally making it in the news at the moment but you That's feed right. it smartly and you will get good results. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we are seeing that in action, whether it be writing code, uh, writing an article, um, or doing even something more esoteric than that. But even these basic things, there can be a lot of positives in terms of you can write code in a fraction of the time that it takes today, let's say. But equally, Mm -hmm. like you said, if you don't train it properly, you can laden it with a lot of bugs or worse. a lot of security challenges, a um, lot of misfires, let's say. And especially when you think about critical infrastructure, you have to be extremely careful about what you train, how you build, and so on. So I think we are in very early stages of that journey. But I'm actually happy that there is an equal voice, at least, on the ethical aspects of AI. And so kind of going back to my optimism, I'm sure we'll find the happy medium and balance. Excellent. Very good. Yeah. Well, thank you. I love your optimism. <laughs> it's, I think it's so critical for this for this industry in particular. It's um, you know, I, I, there's a way forward. We can get there. We just have to sometimes get creative, you know. And yeah. and we need a lot of a lot of help and a lot of partners to to get there. And I, I and let me know your perspective. But it kind of feels like the tide is turning too. I think that more and more of the security industry is wanting to collaborate, to want to get in into that partnership because it's you just can't go it alone anymore. I'm seeing glimmers of hope on that front, Rachel. Mm-hmm. I think given the asymmetry that we spoke about, there is a lot more to be done. Right. Uh, and I don't want to take it to an extreme step, but. We should be able to say certain levels of security information, security knowledge, security information dissemination mm-hmm. is standard. It needs to be available to everybody. Right. I don't think we are there yet. 
just like there is asymmetry in terms of the threat actors and us, I think there's a lot of asymmetry in terms of the level of knowledge, level of sharing, level of transparency amongst us, because some of us think of not sharing as competitive advantage. And I believe it is a collective disadvantage. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think on the asymmetry front, we were talking about what was the term, Audra? Was it cyber debt or, you know, when when you look at the cascade of companies out there, you know, kind of there's... There's the ones it that was cyber cyber poverty. Cyber poverty. That was the right. that was the term, which I think it's an excellent term for it. Exactly, because it's you. They're the haves and have-nots, if you will, and and they all have to kind of work together. And it's um, yeah. There's no level playing field, I, I, I guess, when when it comes to this stuff. And uh, how, how do you accommodate for that, particularly when you look at things like. You know, regulatory bodies trying to set up disclosure rules. And, you know, I know the SEC had announced um, something back in March and they've been working on it. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can like clearly define something that you don't have all the answers on day one. <laughs> so you have 48 hours to tell me everything, and you know, depending on the size. And it's just, um, yeah, I, I just don't know how you how you can be so uh, definitive uh, on these things. Yeah. So. Are there any kind of uh, things coming up in the next two years or so, Sadaka, that you're excited about? Uh, from a SolarWind standpoint, I'm very excited about the work that we are doing uh, on this arc of enriching the lives of the people we serve, obviously our customers uh, in this context. Uh, we have evolved our product portfolio and our solution portfolio from what was largely a monitoring set of tools mm-hmm. to now a company that does best in class, I would say, meantime to detect or help customers detect issues, and meantime to repair or remediate them at the same time. And we are doing this in the context of what we call the SolarWinds platform, mm-hmm. where we are creating the ability for customers to first and foremost automate their environments. So we spoke about AI for a bit. There's a, a, a role that it plays in terms of automating their environments. When you automate them, you observe them, uh, you or create the ability to observe the environment. And the reason why I say environment is, it's not just about networks. It's mm-hmm. about networks, it's about applications, it's about databases, it's about cloud mm-hmm. services, people like us, and things. So create the ability to observe them. And now that you've observed them, why not help the customer visualize it such that they're not hitting getting hit with alert fatigues and other things. And then once you're able to detect it, you might as well help them remediate it. So we're doing some very unique things in terms of combining uh, our portfolio of monitoring to observability to then service management to create this value proposition. And the underlying foundation is simple, secure, and powerful. Those Mm -hmm. are the three underlying foundations. Make it simple for customers, make it secure, and make them powerful. This is what excites me as we come to work every day uh, because we are trying and striving to do everything possible to enrich the lives of our customers. I love that. It's uh, customer centricity, but also this, you know, trying to simplify what's been so complex for so long. So long. (laughs) But I also like the fact that you have a philosophy rather than necessarily just being like, we're a software company. We have a philosophy that it, it, it must 
kind of go throughout your culture in terms of how people work and what they work towards? It's, it's a journey again, Audra, as you know, right? Um, more than 50% of our employee base was hired um, since 2020. So, oh, wow. After, right? And uh, so we are constantly training and constantly learning. In fact, later today, speaking of QBRs and other things, uh, I have a session for our people team or our HR team which is to record a few videos about our continuing Solarian journey. So we onboard them, we continue them, we evolve them, and so on. Uh, so this is a process. Beautiful. This is a journey. I love that. It's, um, it, it's kind of like you, you don't get to set it and forget it, right? It's, it's no. continuously evolving, which is, is just so critical. And I, I have to admit, so, so as of, I believe it's last week, I've been at Forcepoint for six years. Awesome. And when I describe the company to other people, I go, Forcepoint isn't a job, it's a lifestyle. And I, I think you have made Solar Winds very much it Yes. It's a way of working, a way of thinking, a philosophy that that probably goes an awful lot further than your software. Oh, for sure. For sure. And that has been the case for Solar Winds well before I joined as well. Uh, it's just that I've been mixing things up a little bit and continuing to evolve it. That's wonderful. And they're called Solarians. Is that is that the internal? I love that. Yeah, we call that. we call ourselves Solarians. Excellent, excellent. So it's wonderful. better. It's sorry, I should be careful, but it's better than Googlers <laughs> or or Newglers that are new Googlers. I, I think it's better. I like Solarians. I will not sci-fi you on your point. I think they accept it. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Um, well, I've really enjoyed having you back, Sadakar. Thank you so, so much. This is, uh, again, inspiring. It's, it's wonderful to know that folks like you are out there in the industry and, you know, trying to affect change and, you know, kind of going, going about it the right way. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there and we just need, you know, folks to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be accountable and I'm going to help, help drive this forward because together we can really accomplish a lot, as we know. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel and Audra. Uh, you have been doing great work in proliferating these messages because it's also very important to get those messages out. Uh, hopefully we can continue doing it and yeah. improve the security posture or the product and or the productivity posture for all of us. So let me know how I can help and I'm looking forward to next time. Awesome. Yes, Thank we should you. definitely ethical AI ethical get it AI. on the list. Mm, Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. So to all our listeners out there, thanks again for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe every Tuesday, a fresh, fresh episode delivered right to your inbox. So until next time, everybody, stay secure. Thanks for joining us for the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher.